0: Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Well, good morning and welcome to church. It's great to have you. And if you're just visiting or you'd like to make contact, please go to our website. Uh, the link will be on the screen there. I'd love to make contact with you. But uh, no matter where you are and what your circumstance, great to have you here. And today we're starting a new series on the book of Philippians. We're going to work right, right through Philippians, one chapter per day. But I want to come at it from a, a distinctive perspective because Paul's perspective, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this book, was from prison. And there was something about his perspective that determined not only what he wrote and why he wrote, but the way he wrote it. The guy was just uh, full of abundance, full of thankfulness and praise. You couldn't lock him down, even though he was physically locked down. And so I want to look not only at his perspective, but how our perspective on life and what drives that perspective uh, can really change the way we see life. And what I want to do is walk you through over a few weeks the way that we can not only adopt the perspective, but know why. The reason why? Because behind that perspective is something called values. And Christian godly values based on the reality of Christ in our life changes everything. And so I want to walk you through and help you uh, step by step create your own set of values. You've already got them. It's just articulating them and letting them guide your life. To begin, I'd like to start with a story of uh, one of my own little exploits with a team of friends. We went to uh, Uganda. And it illustrates this process really well because what happened there, we ended up on the border of uh, the southern border of Uganda. It borders onto a country called Rwanda, which you may have heard of. And on the other side, there was the Congo, where Kony, the warlord with all his soldiers, was wandering the jungle um, and intermixed with the pygmies that were there and the gorillas in the mist. An incredible part of the world, sort of a vortex of trouble and beauty all in the same place. And of course, we found ourselves there, but and we did all the business we had to do there. But on the way out, not long um, into that journey, about an hour in the car, of course, being Africa, broke down, uh, blew a radiator hose, as I remember. But the interesting thing about that, we had a team uh, from the charity that we'd begun, and uh, all the directors were in the car and, and a few others, and it was fascinating to see the responses, because the responses to that moment were really driven by our perspective on how we saw that moment and so the go to fix it guy who was his job was always just to get things done and organize everything he automatically went into a frantic rage and and jumped out of the car and was trying to get things and pointing to people and say fix this and and that didn't work the driver he didn't really seem to care at all he just found the, the nearest village and sat down and 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 drank with the locals uh, our accountant was there and, and uh, so her response was literally to say, well, I can't do anything about this. I need to avoid all the trouble I can. And uh, quite frankly, she was pretty scared. So she just opened up a laptop and found a spreadsheet and started immersing herself in some numbers. Uh, my response as a, as a previous motor mechanic in another lifetime, I just knew what had to be done and just got out and saw the inevitability that I was going to end up in the dirt again for an hour fixing this car, which is exactly what happened. We got ourselves going and off we went. All these different perspectives, even one of them uh, was a guy who, uh, he was a CEO of a company back here in Australia, but a real nature lover. He decided this was a perfect opportunity to grab his camera and just go for a walk into the jungle with all that danger out there, just so he could see some birds that he would never be able to see normally. So you see these perspectives alter the way we do things. And our perspective alters our moods, it alters the way our body reacts, it alters our hopes, it, it changes all sorts of things. And today, as we look through the book of Philippians, we're going to see that Paul's perspective uh, without Christ in his life would have been irrationally uh, positive. The context here is that he's writing to uh, a church, which isn't the sort of church we're thinking of. It's a group of Uh, home churches. It's just a gathering of people who just meet uh, casually in different people's places. But this church at Philippi, uh, this was the place where if you look it up in in Acts chapter 16, Paul goes in there. Paul was uh, very badly treated there, ended up thrown in jail. And when he was in jail, there was a a huge earthquake that happened because him and his uh, partners were just worshipping God through the night. And an earthquake came and the prison doors opened and, and the guard woke up expecting the prisoners to be gone. And Paul says, no, here I am. And the jailer says, you people are incredible. What must I do to be saved? And, and from there, this whole movement began through Philippi. Um, so for Paul, this place gave him what must have been a conflicted memory. There was so much joy of people being uh, coming to Christ. and so, But also the floggings and the, the ill treatment, the misrepresentation that he went under. And I don't know about you, but when I look back on memories like that, I'm not normally filled with overflowing praise uh, or thankfulness for who these people were. It's like a mixed memory. It's like, gee, it was good that I got through that, good to bear some fruit, but that was a tough time. And so I just want you to, as we go into this process, reflect for a moment on your own potential perspective, how you see life, how you see um, memories as you've gone past. Because Paul was in his prison cell now. He was locked up in Rome, literally chained to a wall. At best, he may have had a contrasted view out the window of a bright life out there while he was in a dark prison. And sometimes we form ourselves into these prisons too, but we can't see that window. We can't see life the way Paul was seeing it. There was something within him that enabled him to see life very differently. So I wonder how you do that. How do you look back on times of opposition and misrepresentation? How long do you harbor that? How long does it still bite your soul in that sense? And so... He's writing this uh, book of Philippians, really for a menial matter. Epaphroditus was uh, someone going back and forth. And he was just really giving him a letter of reference to say, look, this guy's doing a great job. Welcome him. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you. And there'd been some criticism of Paul through Philippi. The people had started some slander about him and some gossip. And they were saying, well, we're of Christ and Paul's not. And Paul's just going, I don't really mind. But if they're preaching Christ, it's OK. Uh, so he was just addressing these sorts of matters. So you wonder then, where does his perspective come from? When we start to look into this, you'll see his overflowing joy. And what I want to really get to is that his focus comes from his values. His perspective was driven by what he really held dear. The things that mattered to him the most determined the lens through which he saw life. And so that altered everything he did, everything he said. And so what I want to do is take us through a process over a few weeks looking at our own values, to see, well, should my values reflect Paul's? Are mine just aspirational, or are they real? Um, so I want to look at what matters to you. Um, your, does is it your success? Is it your Christian life? Is it your reputation? Is it people? Then we're going to look next week at who matters. Uh, is it myself? Is it my family? Um, how can I really tell the difference sometimes? Because it can be hard to say to tell that. We're going to look then at why things matter and we're going to look at how we respond to life. But let's lock lock straight into Paul here and we're going to look at what he says and then get a glimpse of what these values are. We pick it up in Philippians 1, 3 to 6. He says, I thank God. Remember, he's in prison, but I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that. I I, I thank God when I remember you. Is that what you do when you think of the people around you or the, or the people at work or the people in your past? Trish and I, we, we really get this sense. It's because we've had such a, a wonderful time at Kenmore Church uh, building it over the last uh, year or two. Whenever we think of our church, we thank God as we remember the people of our church. We just feel so privileged to be a part of what God's doing there. But, you know, those people haven't locked me in jail. The Philippians had, the poor. He he was looking back at a mixed memory. And yet he still had that thankfulness there. And he goes on to say, he who began a good work will carry it on. He had this faith that God was not only going to have them saved, but he was going to keep building the people um, that were the people of faith and keep building that people of faith so they'd become more of them. And his heart, his values, that what was inside him compelled him to believe that there was this gold seam, regardless of all the nonsense and the bad stuff that was happening, there was a gold seam of good in each of them. And he was calling out that gold. He was focusing on that gold, saying, God's building that gold in you, and that's going to become more and more and more of a treasure. And there was some value, obviously, then in Paul that was greater than his value of self-preservation. He wasn't complaining about his conditions. He wasn't complaining about uh, imminent death, which was very much on the cards for him at this stage of life. His, his heart was filled with something else, and it filled his eyes with tears. It gave him this panorama of this contrasted frame. It's, it's almost like as you look in from the darkness outside, that very darkness contrasts the brightness and the colour of what you can see at that window. And that seems to be what's happening for him. And if I could wrap it up very briefly, this value of Paul that did that is very simple. People matter most. For him, it was all about people. If there was anything close to his love for God, uh, it was love for people. And yet for Paul, this was in itself an anomaly. This guy, he was a, uh, before he met Christ, he was a hard-nosed, violent man. Now he's met Jesus and something's happened. Now people matter to this guy. Something has fundamentally shifted in his heart. Nothing mattered more. And he could, And there was something about this walk that he had with God that meant that people and a love for them was intrinsically woven in. Listen to what he says as he goes on in verse 9. He says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I just marvel here that he didn't pray for release. Release from prison was not a value for him. He was praying for these people. He prayed that their connection with each other, and you look at the way it's written there, that their, their connection with each other would be based more and more in their knowledge of God, their personal and their corporate understanding and awareness of God and their relationship with God, that as that would grow, it would grow their relationships with each other. Is that not just the opposite of what we seem to be experiencing in Western life? We're getting more and more information. We're getting taught more and more and more. Content is thrown at us, and yet we're getting more and more isolated. And yet we see this heart from, the, from God's people is beginning to raise and bubble up, saying, despite COVID, despite all the stuff that's going on, I want to connect with people. That's the same heart that's bubbling around in Paul. So to him, the Christian life was a life of people. You just couldn't separate the two. And he really said, saw that even though there were problems all around, people weren't the problem. For Paul. He never saw the people as a problem, even though people were causing his problems. He saw people as a prize. He said, these, these people aren't an inconvenience to my life. They're not stepping stones. They're not assets or liabilities for me. They are the prize. They are everything. Everyone is this prize. So how did he come to this value? And it, and it pays for us to look at the same path that Paul must have gone through. Because as I said, he was a hard man. He was a violent man. He, he thought nothing of putting people to death. Now his life was all about them coming to life. You look at the reality and the logic that he must have gone through. He denied Christ. He didn't believe in Christ. Then Christ himself met him. So there was an undeniability about Jesus being real as he was literally knocked off his high horse that day. And then as he began to reflect, the logic must have cascaded down like dominoes falling. If Jesus is real and he is definitely real, he came to dwell with common people, not people like Paul. Paul was the religious elite. This Jesus, who I now know exists, he came to this planet, clothed himself with humility and loved the common folk. The temple and religion was of little consequence to Jesus. This is staggering to Paul. It must have undone so much about his life. He's saying people were more important than the religious system, than the temple, than all the finance and all, this, all the structure. People were the only thing that mattered to Jesus. And Can you imagine what this must have done to the core of who he was? And then the conclusion when he, he knew that Jesus had died on the cross for those same people that he would treated as worthless. Jesus, God, was prepared to die for those very people. And so the conclusion can only come from that. People matter the most. That was it. That was to be his life. The logic uh, conspired to completely drive his values. But the miracle was that it seemed to come so easily for Paul. This is what struck uh, struck out to me. He's not working hard at this. This is is natural. His heart's transformed. Look at what he says in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace for me. I wonder if you've come to the same conclusion. I wonder if you've seen that logic too and thought, I've probably lived my life living for all sorts of things. People have, uh, uh, some people are important, but this comprehensiveness about all people being important. I wonder how uh, people matter most would rate on your top three list of things that you'd live for. And you can tell what your values are. You can tell really quickly what your real values are. And I'm, really, I'm talking about the real things that matter, not the aspirational things, not the things that we know should matter. Uh, when someone asks us the question, what matters to you most, and we pull out the Christianese answer. I'm talking about the stuff that really matters. Hopefully those things are very close together, but perhaps they're not. It's really easy to tell. Follow your time, follow your money. You'll tell what matters to you by what, where you invest your time and where you invest your money. Where are they spent? Where are they invested? That's what's most important to you. You can tell because when you're under pressure in life, the things that really matter don't change. Uh, if they're aspirational, if they're just a good intention, pressure comes and those things will drift away. When you're tempted with better offers in life, your values will help you to say no to that which goes against your values. And so you can look at something good. You can have, have something good come at you and just say, that doesn't fit with what's really important to me. So true values are what you will both live for and what, what you will die for. Have a look at what Paul goes on to say in verse 21. He says, for, to me, to live is Christ. To die is to gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So for Paul, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's like, that's it. That's all. That's my life. I live with Christ. If I die, I'm going to be with him fully. While I'm in this body, I have fruitful work with people. So I wonder what your values are. Are you able to articulate them? Great exercise to do this week. What are your values? And sometimes we think we know but the people around us can see us more clearly. Perhaps ask if you're married, ask your spouse or ask a close friend. What would you say, looking at my life, looking at the way I speak and what I do and where I invest, uh, what would you say matters most to me? And then, as I said, you can just follow the money. You can follow your own passion. Where does it lead you all the time? And follow your time. Great exercise to go through. Paul's value was people. Why? Because God's value is people. He gave up everything for you and I. So what do you value? Do you value him or do you value people or do you value something else? This is a great time of year to reconsider that. Let me close in prayer uh, and help you and uh, just invite God to help you into that space. Father, I pray for each one listening. I pray that as I reflect on this chapter from Philippians, I would see the, 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 the bubbling up of joy and love that's driven by a value for people. Father, I pray you'd help each of us reassess what really matters. And not only reassess, not only give it a thought, but to realter our schedule, realter our priorities around what we know truly matters most. Father, reveal your ways and your will to your people and bless them today in Jesus' name. Thanks, everybody. I hope to see you soon.